Hello, product innovators. Today, we learn about the four types of intellectual property protection for your hardware product business from a 30-year veteran in the technology and legal space. This is the Product Startup Podcast, a show to learn from top leaders in hardware product development, prototyping, manufacturing, product selling, and everything in between. Hosted by Kevin Macko, the leading expert on product development for hardware startups. Welcome back, everyone. I'm very excited to introduce Stephen Weigler to the show. Stephen has been in the startup legal world, ran his own business, and worked for big corporations in the intellectual property arena. Today, Stephen will share valuable knowledge for inventor startups and small manufacturers on the four types of intellectual property protection, how to use these protections to increase the value of your hardware product business, and how these protections work together. Now, on to the episode. This show is produced by Mako Design, the original firm providing end-to-end consumer product development services tailored specifically to hardware startups, small manufacturers, and inventors. Take your product from idea to store shelves at MakoDesign.com. Now, on to the episode. Hey, Stephen, welcome to the show. Good to see you, Kevin. Well, I'm really excited today to talk to you about the four elements of intellectual property development. This is not just the patent, which everybody thinks about, especially as a hardware startup especially as building a physical product. But there's other elements of intellectual property as well. And we'll dive into what those are and some best practices in and around that. But before we get into intellectual property protection for a company, a hardware startup, especially one who's thinking about exiting or is in the process of exiting, meaning selling. So looking at selling your actual product business, the end game of your hardware startup potentially and all of the intellectual property considerations that might be behind that. Before we get into all of that, Stephen, just give us a bit of a background of how you became the success story that you are today. Thank you. So I started out very much just wanting to be an attorney. I really wanted to get in the courtroom. So I started as a criminal prosecutor of all things in Miami, Florida. And so what that did is that really toughened me up. It can be a tough place. Long story short, I got into technology law. I was recruited by AT&T and really helped advocate for a lot of their products and plays, especially when we were getting into 21st century plays from used to be just wires going across the country. So 21st century plays and how you would package those from both a marketing standpoint and explaining the technology to uh, utilities commissions and making sure that we could get out of regulation. And so anyway, so I really learned a tremendous amount about how, number one, how a large corporation works, and number two, a lot about uh, technology. Telecom technology kind of crashed once it became deregulated, the need for attorneys eviscerated. And as opposed to just going to a law firm, I decided to start my own company that was focused on packaging content and predictive analytics for school districts around the United States and Canada and Singapore. It was very much a technology play. It led the company for about seven to eight years through the good, the bad, the ugly, which anyway, long story short, about eight, nine years ago, after I exited my own company, I went into a coffee shop and I wrote down everything I knew, and it really led me to this specific practice. The companies I usually work with are growth companies, meaning they could be growing for their own value and they could be growing for the exit. And in a way, it doesn't matter. Growth is growth. Certain things and certain steps you have to think about along the way. And so that's really what this firm is called Emerge Council. That's great. Very helpful and useful. And I'm really excited to dig into the legalities of that, especially looking at intellectual property. So Mm -hmm. let's just start big picture in the beginning. What are these four pillars of intellectual property protection for a hardware startup as they're scaling or planning to exit? Let's go through each of those just at a high level, and then we'll dig into each one with some best tips and tricks. 
Sure. Well, to begin with, intellectual property, all it means is intangible assets that were created by the monk. And so it's a broad quantity of assets, and it's something that carries on the balance sheet, right? It's an asset. It can be very hard to quantify. So we kind of look at it from a protection standpoint. Patent protects ideas and inventions, and so or improvements, substantial improvements on inventions. And so an example of a patent can be how the product is designed. So the Apple iPods or anything Apple is really uniquely packaged from Apple Corporation. That design has really carried a lot of Apple's value, the design of their product. They all create a unique design. Those designs are patented. But a lot of times it can also be a utility patent, meaning it's a utility of the function and functionality. It could be software, it could be hardware, it could be the electronic components that connect the hardware. And so it becomes extremely abstract what you can patent and what you can't patent. If you're really going to patent, you have to take a look at the strategy. You also have to look in patent. You can't use the product, put it at market, and then say there's a patent. And I'm keeping this really easy because the patent books are like this. You can't put the product out there, then file for a patent. Generally speaking, you can on certain circumstances a year. A lot of times you really have to make sure that you're within the time frame that you can file a patent. So, and then I'll go on to the other forms of IP. If your business place, say, is I have put all my money, all my time into building a circuit box that is unique on how the circuits connect. And you put it out there. This is your play. This Everything's going to grow up that play. You're the circuit box company. You decide Oh, you know, I never really thought about that two years later. Well, you kind of blew the whole ability to obtain a patent on that. Now, it's never like absolutely 100% and a never like 0% chance. Sometimes it's closer to zero than the 100% chance. And patent is regulated by the United States Patent and Trademark Office. It's examined by someone that has from the same field that the invention's from. It's much easier, generally speaking, to get a design patent. Remember, we talked about the Apple, how they're designed. That's much easier to get them done, but sometimes less valuable. So that's the first one. Patent is a huge area of law, especially for your listeners. And you really have to have that strategy early. You can improve on your own product and get a patent later. Sometimes the person that patents the products because they're the inventor is not the person that actually brings the product to market. The person who brings the product to market can get a license for that. And so it can become a very intricate area of law. But ultimately, remember, it's like what I look at when I'm, again, trying to get the client from point A to point B, is this patent going to help build the actual value of the intellect, in intellectual property portfolio on the company? So many uh, people come to me, they like the idea of the patent, and it sounds good, and maybe the investors will like it. But really, is it going to add value? Sometimes the answer is no. And so it's not patent for patent's sake. And that's what I can say about patents. That's good information. That's good intel as well. You've got to really look at your specific business, your specific product, and understand what is the value, not just doing something for the sake of doing something or because you heard somebody else did this thing, really understanding what's the strategic play, especially as it pertains to an exit or growing the value. As you said, I really like how you mentioned it. Whether you're planning to exit or whether you're planning to grow a massive empire with your product, a lot of these principles still apply. But if you look at it under the mind of planning to exit, well, you're looking then for value. Because when you exit, you're selling to somebody and obviously the more value you can provide to that person 
the significantly better value that you're going to get for the actual product. Well, that's relatively similar to what you're thinking about as you grow it as well. Because you're trying to grow sales, you're trying to add value to your customers, and you're trying to increase your intellectual property portfolio, as we're talking about here today. And all of these things combined, if done well, if done strategically, continues to increase the overall value of what somebody would pay for your product, business, brand, et cetera. So let's go on to some of these other ones, which might be lesser known or lesser addressed, especially in the hardware world, where a lot of people are focused on patents. But there's other elements of intellectual property that can build value to your hardware brand, hardware product business as well. What are those? Yeah, I mean, I think for the most understated and most valuable aspect of intellectual property is a trademark strategy. So trademarks protect brands. Apple is a brand. IBM is a brand. Lenovo. But you can go on and on and on. And for example, you go into Costco. And you, a consumer looks at a brand and you're not looking at, well, here's a no-name or some brand you never heard of. And I want to buy that because the specs are a little better. They're like, oh, I see this Microsoft Surface or whatever the high quality brand is or the brand that people know. And they're going to usually, even if the specs are a little less than the no-name sitting next to it, they're going to buy the piece of hardware that is known and of value. That's because in the consumer's mind, they know that this company has built up their brand and brand is identity. And identity is usually a positive experience because they put trust in that, the quality of the product based on the brand. They could again, look at the specs and say, well, gosh, that, that has an Intel XYZ chip and not an Intel, you know, the top Intel chip. But that, again, is a brand play. If it were a no-name chip, they would probably pass it by. So the whole thing is like, it's how consumers identify with your good or service. So your brand is going to grow. If you're starting a company, it starts at zero. Your brand value starts at zero. Unless you have the cure for cancer, which, again, you your clients don't. If you have the cure for cancer, who cares what the product's called? Who cares what the brand experience is? It's a cure for cancer. For the rest of us, they have to connect something to buy the product. They have to connect some kind of name, some kind of identity to that product. It could be a consumer play. It could be a business-to-business play. In my case, it was a business-to-government play. It doesn't matter. You have to protect brand and that brand experience. And so generally, it's like, all right, well, what's going to be the name of the company? Has that name been taken? Where's your end users? And really doing a thorough search to make sure that you can secure that. Then the strategy grows out depending, you might have a suite of products. You might have a special element of your product. Those things all need to be brand. And so generally, and it's very inexpensive. And then where is it going to be? If you're sourcing from China and it's not everything's white labeled or from India, you have to then think about an international strategy. But all that together is your brand strategy, is your trademark, your brand protection strategy. You better believe that if you're thinking about exiting or if you're thinking about even growing value in the company, you're going to grow zero value without having a secure and thorough brand plan. I love that you bring up brand strategy because that's something, especially as a hardware startup, they look at and go, well, I'm not an Apple brand. And I don't think I'm going to be that level, at least not in the next few years, let's say. But what hardware startups don't realize is when we talk about brand, It doesn't mean a global brand that people recognize, especially as a hardware startup. 
This means a brand that, as you said, starts at zero, but starts to gain traction within your specific industry niche, that vertical. And that is what is actually very powerful. You look at a lot of these small products that maybe it's a hiking product that only is is very specific for hiking in these certain conditions. Well, let me tell you, if you've got a great product that is really benefiting people, your brand value will start to take off in tremendous ways. It'll have a viral effect and people that have that pain point that your problem solves start to hear about that brand, start to trust that brand and so on. So the point for a hardware startup isn't to try and look at brand as something that you don't need to worry about for 20 years because it'll be a long time before you're some massive global empire. You can start building your brand from day one within the very small geographical market, very specific product vertical, very specific pain point solution within that product vertical. Start building your brand from day one and that brand within that smaller community, which of course over time will grow as your name grows. That is where you can really start to instrumentally put yourself out as a leader, as a pioneer, as a change maker, and all of these elements, everything you're doing with your business, especially the product itself, are adding value to your brand reputation. So protect that brand so that as you're adding value into the piggy bank, let's say, of that brand, that brand is protected and something that you can then sell to an eventual buyer, not only somebody who's buying your product because they want that widget and they want that patented technology that you've developed and that you're selling, but they want the brand that surrounds it as well. And that will give you a much larger valuation when you're starting to put all these different pieces together. In two ways. Number one, it's like I participate in some M&A. And so that's my favorite thing is when the business gets to that point and I've been working with them from the very beginning or the middle, it's fantastic. And I've worked on some litigation and where the brand's at issue or someone ripped off the brand. It's the easiest thing to show. I can show the correlation between building brand and valuation of the company much easier than I can generally show a patent. Sometimes a patent stands on its own. Yes, it it does. It's like such a great invention. But the most time it's like no one, a patent just protects an invention and you need it. Sometimes I'm not saying anything negative about it, but I'm saying if you're talking about growing value, brand grows value. And the trademark strategy is like, how do you protect that? If you don't have a registered trademark, including like, again, if you sell in Canada, well, it's 10% of American market is Canada. That's a big market that you don't want to ignore. We work strategies to get the trademarks in, in various places. It's really just kind of showing the exit person, the venture capitalist or whatever, that you have a brand strategy. And we map that out. It's really pretty straightforward. Stephen, just because we're short on time here a bit, I want to get to the next two as well. Uh, Let's talk about these last two elements of intellectual property so we can round out the whole puzzle here today. Sure. So copyright protects original works of art. So almost anything can be copyrighted if it's original. So really, if, if you have code that drives your platform, that code can be protected through copyright. Sometimes it can be protected through patent, but not generally. The other thing is product packaging. So everyone... Even if it's a widget or a something that's really generic that you're developing as a hardware developer, if how you package it can be protected through copyright. So it's done through the United States Library of Congress. And there's something called the Berlin Convention, which allows if you've copyrighted someplace, the other countries are supposed to honor that copyright. So it's really cool and really powerful and really cheap. So I'll leave it at that. But code can also be copyrighted. And any product packaging is, is are the two most relevant. It might be some product design. We've done that, but it has to be looked at carefully. Because again, there's patent, there's there's even something called trade dress, which we can go into that's part of trademark. The last thing is, is something that businesses don't do very often, which is trade secret. 
keep things that are supposed to be secret, make a big deal about their secrecy. Coca-Cola, besides the fact that the brand is amazing, like you know, everyone knows what Coca-Cola is. But one thing they've done is just keep the, the Coca-Cola secret. Eight people know it or 10 people know it. They sign an agreement that they're going to really sign their life away if they give up the formula. They get suppliers from various places that don't even know each other. And they keep the whole thing secret. Well, that's a big deal. You can't emulate that product. And I can't tell you, Kevin, ultimately, and I know we're short of time, but we do all this because you can get knocked off. And if you get knocked off, your value goes way down. You're in the dumps. And so all these strategies together, woven together, help you maintain first mover or strategic advantage. The goal is to minimize the price. We do a lot of process work, meaning we look at it just like engineers, how we do our legal work. So so through process and deliberate strategy, we try and minimize the price to protect the entity while maximizing the value. And ultimately, that's what an entrepreneur wants is low price and Maximize value. <laughs> Steven, that's a great way to tie it all in together at the end. Sure. Look at the strategy, a holistic approach, especially if you're building the brand, especially if you're considering exit, especially if you haven't maybe got some of these things as well as tightened up as they should be. Look at a smart strategy for these things. Uh, work with somebody like Steven who understands the ins and outs of these various processes. And of course, that brings me up to the my, my final question here before I let you go. Talk a bit about what your firm does helping entrepreneurs scale up to making sure that they've got the right strategy and approach to all of these different elements, especially as they're growing and scaling and potentially looking to exit at the best valuation. Sure. We're a full service business and intellectual property law firm. Our passion is to grow businesses from inception all the way to M&A. And we have all the tools to be able to do that, as well as connections around the world. We do a lot of international work. We offer free 15-minute consults, and our goal for that is to really get to know the entrepreneur or entrepreneurial organization and really see if we can build a relationship. We're very relational-based. We have a lot, and we do a lot of fixed fee work because we, again, we have a lot of processes. This isn't our first rodeo. And so I've spent a lot of time putting that together. If you want to know more about me, I have a really pretty built-out LinkedIn site. So it's Stephen Weigler, W-E-I-G-L-E-R, and Stephen is with a V and not P-H. The other thing would be, we have a thorough website also with a lot of resources on our resources page. It's Emerge, E-M-E-R-G-E, console, C-O-U-N-S-E-L.com. And again, I would love the first step of any professional relationship is get to know the client, get to know the entrepreneur, and I want you to get to know me. Stephen, much appreciated for all those words of wisdom. And as always, I will put those links into the show notes below for anyone else who wants to click through. Thanks again, Stephen, for being on the show. And we look forward to talking to you again. Thanks, Stephen, and take care. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Product Startup Podcast. If you found some value in the show, please do us a huge favor and hit the like button and subscribe. If you have any questions, guest suggestions, or anything else, feel free to reach out to us anytime at our email, podcast at macodesign.com. This show is hosted by Kevin Mako, North America's leading expert on product development for hardware startups. And the podcast is produced by Mako Design, the original firm providing end-to-end consumer product development services tailored specifically to hardware startups, small manufacturers, and inventors. Take your product from idea to store shelves at makodesign.com. That's M-A-K-O design.com. Thanks for joining and see you again soon.